0: people who spent more time looking at job posting sites mm. were more likely to quit their job because they have more of a perception of there being other options out there. Same with people who look on dating apps while they're in a monogamous relationship are more likely to leave that relationship because it's adding to that perception of having more choices. And it's not, you know, that, that alone doesn't do it, but that's part of this equation. So it's your treasures minus your troubles On this episode of the Multi Amory Podcast, we're continuing our discussion on self-worth and comparison in relationships, and this week, we're going to be focusing more on the comparison part. So, how can it affect our relationships, not just with romantic relationships, but also with your peers, and even with yourself? How does comparing yourself and your relationships to others affect you, and then what can we do about that? What can we do to improve that?
2: (sighs) Oh... Again, here I am providing my own personal anecdote of <laughs> here yeah this is this is a tough one for me comparison for sure, and you know, I think I think I compare myself to not only like my friends, my business partners, you two, but also I do find myself comparing to people that are like my colleagues and peers in ways that. I actually, that make me feel a little bit better about myself at times. Hmm. It's like, I'm in a job where it's, I am work at a restaurant, I work at Sun Cafe, and I've been there for years and years and years, but I'm like their number one employee, essentially. I, I can say that pretty confidently. I've been there for 10 years, and I know the ropes, like I'm always the person that gets to I uh, help everyone out like when they come and I'm helping training them and stuff like that. And so I feel confident about that job. And when I see people who are younger than I am coming in, I feel like I'm in more of a leadership position there and I compare myself to where they are. And I feel good about myself. Cause I'm like, no, I, I, I know what I'm doing here. I don't have to worry about this job or this thing. And so that's really Interesting though, because it's almost as though I'm comparing myself, maybe not negatively, but like in a negative or seeing them in like a lesser than
0: situation,
2: hmm. perhaps. Whereas in other ways, I see myself as the one who is less than to other people in my life, like my peers. So right, I mean, am, a- I'm
1: just amazed to hear that you have any experience of comparing yourself to someone and you compare yourself more favorably. <laughs> than them. Yeah, I'm like, that's a win. Keep on, keep it on, keep doing it.
2: Oh uh, gosh. I, I feel bad for even <laughs> saying that, but no, but I definitely do like at, at times and, and it's not like in a, in a mean way, but rather just that, oh, I see myself, that I am uh, more able, I guess to understand like how this job works or, what it's like to take 100 covers in a day and not feel like I'm going to die, like those kind of things. Mm. So, yeah, I guess from that standpoint, I I feel good about that type of comparison. But we are going to talk about that, like, upward and downward social comparison a lot on the show today. And I guess I'm curious, does that happen to the two of you? Because, again, it seems like you're just, like, these pillars of strength and never compare yourself or never, <laughs> never do anything, yeah. Gosh. Oh my goodness. Along those lines. Gosh,
0: Emily. Gosh, you've really, you really bought into the lies. I guess. Yes, I
2: have. <laughs> Maybe it's it's y'all's fault for yeah, feeding me these lies probably. for most years. Most likely. Most
1: likely.
0: <laughs> oh gosh.
1: Yeah, I it's mean, kind of it's, funny the, to notice the areas where I do compare myself. I, I think that actively the past few years I've been really trying to not, or at least trying to catch myself, notice when I do, and then just divert and just literally do anything else Mm. other than keep up with the comparison. Because, yeah, no, I totally tend to... I don't know. I love being better at things than other people. (laughs) And...
0: Uh (laughs) Sure, sure, yeah.
1: (laughs) So I'm trying to rein that in and be aware of that. But I don't know. It's just so funny how you notice... I don't know, my brain, I think, just goes there by default all the time. And it's so fast how quickly it happens, how you can step into a room and just so quickly size up where you think you are in the hierarchy, whether Mm -hmm. it's the hierarchy of who has the most experience here, who's the most knowledgeable here, who's going to be the best or worst at this skill, who's the most attractive or least attractive, that our brains can work so quickly to just figure out, okay, where do I fit?
0: Yeah, it's comparison is such an interesting thing because I, I don't think that, and we'll probably get into this a little more through the episode, but that it's not inherently a bad thing. And that I remember a while back, you know, reading about some studies talking about the importance of comparison for development, you know, when, when you're young, because it helps you understand where you fit in, in terms of your, your skill level in different areas Right. So, an example of that in kind of adult life would be if I'm kind of running some comparisons in my head about, I don't know, maybe like writing ability or artistic ability of myself versus peers or, or other people that I see online or whatever, that there's value to that if it's like, okay, I kind of have a sense of these people are better than me at this. So that might be the kind of person I'd want to hire to do something like that. Mm. Or that I would recommend to a friend who's looking for an artist over me trying to do it and like really struggling and and having to work really hard to get something good when it's like, I know someone's better than me. And also, I guess on the other hand of like, I know this person's not good at this thing compared to me. So Mm -hmm. I can more confidently say, actually, I should be the one to do this thing. Yeah. So like, that's not inherently bad but mm-hmm. when we when we so easily slip into that idea of then associating that with our worth that's where we can get ourselves into trouble so it's it's i feel like comparison's a really interesting one because it's not inherently bad and actually is a really useful skill but we have to be careful of how we're doing it and how we're approaching it to not to not fall into that right and and i, I would say that that exact situation i just described i can also in the wrong, you know, mental state, turn that into something where I'm feeling bad about myself yeah. and my lack of artistic ability compared to someone else or, or something like that. Right. So it's just, I think part of it depends on the thing you're comparing about. How much do you associate that with worth? You know, how much is, how much is that skill of yours or that ability of yours or that trait of yours tied to? What you think makes you good if it 's like i 'm great because i 'm good at sex, and then I compare myself to someone who I think is better at sex than me it 's like now i 'm not as desirable i 'm bad mm, even if it 's mm. this perceived other person my partner 's dating that i don 't really know anything about, but I imagine they 're better than me and i 'm doing this mental comparison based on not a lot of good evidence yeah, good. right then then i can that can lead me down a you know a spiral of feeling depressed and envious and jealous and all that versus you know, versus another situation where either I have more accurate data or it's less tied with self-worth. Yeah.
2: I yeah, think I just... very insightful.
1: That is. Oh, wow.
0: Thank you. I love that. I'm really insightful I'm... compared to my peers.
2: She is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're on that upward social comparison right there already. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. I, I think I I just am like, I hope that the listeners of this show, like I'm always worried that the listeners of the show aren't like, oh, Emily is definitely the weak link here, and if she was cast off, it wouldn't really matter. It would be, like, just fine. So (laughs) Um, that's the main thing that I'm, like, the main comparison that I struggle with, I think, on being on this podcast, that I'm not, like, as accomplished as the two of you in various ways, and so therefore I have to... I have to pep myself up, like give myself a pep talk, and and yeah, bring myself up in various ways, whenever I can.
1: But M, um, I I mean, a few years ago, Jace already came to the conclusion that he's actually the dead weight of multi <laughs> That so. was officially
0: stated on the episode. Yeah, you're <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> well, I think
2: that's just inherently incorrect, considering all of the stuff that you do. <laughs>
0: Uh, and i also feel like i'm constantly telling people about you know how important your contributions are to this show emily so oh, you're you're wrong i, I didn't
2: know that <laughs> thanks
0: compared to compared to your co-hosts you're bad at comparing yourself to others
2: definitely <laughs> 100% <laughs> i'm very bad um, at it for yeah for better or for worse <laughs> i'm bad at it
1: yeah so i feel like what happens with comparison is at least I know in my personal experience is often it's just instant shame really especially when I'm comparing myself and I find myself lacking in some particular mm-hmm. way and we have done a number of episodes on shame and on the shame response and that basically once that seed gets in there and then that's a whole host to all kinds of different emotions and maladaptive responses you know so everything from withdrawing, freezing, or getting angry, or lashing out, or, uh, you know, just completely losing perspective on who it is that we are, or completely trying to avoid it, or trying to deny it, or whatever. And so I do think that's often the thing that happens with those negative comparisons.
2: Yeah, I just wanted to point out a shame thing that happened recently with the three of us, where it was actually during the uh, episode on all of the different studies that we did where i in the middle of recording like couldn't really understand what i was reading or it was just like not coming out the way that i wanted to and i had like an extreme shame triggered reaction during that that the two of you were witness to where i was frozen like i my brain was like not really processing it well or something or i just like i was completely unable to continue like my thought process or ideas about what i was seeing in front of me i also i uh, was really upset with myself and also it it sort of made me like feel like i was lashing out at the two of you or especially at Jason that moment um and then also i felt like i was going to cry at the same time so it was like all of that together which really sucked
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, Yeah,
1: that can be really intense for sure.
2: Yeah, for sure. So I think, yeah, that that self-esteem slash comparing slash shame response can be really, really intense within us if we have moments like this where we just, yeah, we're we're triggered by something and we can't really move past it very easily.
1: But then on the flip side of that, you know, you can make a comparison to another person and come to the conclusion that oh they're beneath me and I am superior and while that can feel good that can also lead to feeling contempt you know we talked about mm. that fairly recently in an episode that if you on a particular issue with your partner for instance feel like I'm morally superior or <laughs> ethically superior to them or I don't know, financially superior, what you know, mentally superior, whatever it is, that that can really encourage those contempt behaviors where I talk down to you or I'm really dismissive of you or I really belittle your viewpoint and your experience in things.
0: Also, if we're, you know, boosting our own self-esteem or self-worth by comparing ourselves to others that we think are less than us in some area, If something happens in our life where suddenly we become less in that, we've internalized Mm -hmm. all of this negativity toward people not doing as well, such as, you know, I'm going to make myself feel better by looking at other people who are breaking up and being like, I'm so great because my relationship's still going. When you have a breakup, and I'm speaking from experience, then when you do end up having that breakup, it's much more devastating because you built so much of your self-worth on the fact that you had a relationship that wasn't breaking up. And so now that thing, which is a totally natural thing and happens to people, you've now associated with people who are worse than you, right? And yeah. and in all, this comes up in all sorts of areas and, and also ties in with a lot of other stuff like, you know, internalized ableism. And, you know, there's like so many pieces that that go into that. But, but yeah, it is that thing of like, maybe it'll make you feel good right now, but it can also really backfire and potentially damage your relationships like Dedeker was talking about.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So we're going to talk quickly about something called social comparison theory and psychology. Cause I know it's, it's very easy to compare ourselves to others, even though maybe it's something that we're taught not to do. It it happens, especially, you know, in our society, we just tend to compare. And I think often our parents teach us to compare. Or to you know our friends maybe, or to other people who are academically doing better than us, or you know it, teaching us to be competitive. I think from a young age, in a lot of those different ways, and competition can be good, like Jace said. Right, All I comparison's think, not bad
0: necessarily. <laughs> no,
2: yeah. definitely, yeah, it, yeah. I think that can be good, but when it gets to a point where we feel shame or that really intrinsic guilt, or upset about something, I think that's when it can be, be a big issue. So social comparison theory in psychology, this is from very well mind, uh, an article in very well mind, Uh, social comparison theory was first talked about and proposed in 1954 by this psychologist named Leon Feistinger. (laughs) I'm assuming he was perhaps German. Festinger. Festinger. I I don't know. Yeah. It's exciting. It's a fun name. And it essentially suggests that people have an innate drive to evaluate themselves, often in comparison to others. And the social comparison process involves people coming to know themselves by evaluating their own attitudes, abilities, and traits in comparison with others. So now,
0: that's kind of what I was talking about. Like as yes. you're developing your sense of self, part of that is how do I, how am I similar and different to other people? And so that that is kind of this yeah. essential intrinsic thing. So that is worth acknowledging that it's right there.
2: Sure. Absolutely. And it probably something that we do just as kids, regardless. I mean, yeah, we're, we're trying to sort of well, you want to understand, understand, you understand you our place in the world. In the world. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we may have butchered this a bit before, but now we're going to talk about upward and downward social comparison. So upward social comparison takes place when we compare ourselves to those who we believe are better than us. So that makes sense. So, I see someone someone who I want to be like or who I wish that I were more like them in a certain way. And that is that upward social comparison. So we focus on the desire to improve our current status or level of ability. Now, downward social comparison takes place when we compare ourselves to others who are worse off in some way than us. And that may be Mm. a perception that may be reality, but we're looking at, you know, Social downward comparisons are centered on making ourselves feel better about our abilities or traits. We see someone like, oh, well, I've done more national commercials than this person, or I, am, you know, got an A in psychology and they got a B, something like that.
0: Right. I mean, and and a lot of our institutions in education are kind of built around this, right? It's like, oh, well, I'm on the dean's list because I'm in the 85th percentile or, or, you know, whatever it is. Mm. It's based on this. Right. My value comes specifically from my comparison to other people rather than some objective measure or something like that. Or grading on a curve is an example of that. Yeah.
2: We do have a couple studies discussing social comparison. The first is called Social Comparison as a Predictor of Body Dissatisfaction: A Meta-Analytic Review. So this included data from 156 studies. Wow, which is that's a, ton. a lot, yeah. Yeah. And it showed that social comparison was related to higher levels of body dissatisfaction. And the effect for social comparison and body dissatisfaction was stronger for women than men, and inversely related to age. So, so the effect, younger
0: you are, yeah, the more likely you were to do comparison and feel dissatisfied with your body. Hmm. Huh. I guess that I mean, makes sense. Yeah, it doesn't surprise Perhaps me, I as guess. you
2: age, you're like, yeah, whatever.
1: <laughs> I don't I think that some people, not <laughs> yeah. all people, anecdotal evidence do break, reached some kind of breaking point of finally not giving any fucks.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Results confirm theory and research suggesting that comparing oneself unfavorably to another on the basis of appearance may lead to dissatisfaction with one's own appearance. I guess that makes sense as well. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that's something that we're often kind of taught to do and that happens so much in social media these days because we Mm -hmm. see all of these stunningly, you know, perfect people or more desirably superior people, perhaps, or people that we deem to be socially desirable. And it's hard because we're kind of bombarded with that in our media and especially in social media these days. So it makes sense that if we're looking at a bunch of people online or in other ways, then yeah, we we may compare ourselves disfavorably.
1: And think about over the years, just the explosion, this exponential increase in how many examples you have to compare yourself to right think about going 100%. back to ancient history where I'm surrounded by a group of anywhere from 10 to 200 people that's who I'm comparing myself to up until we have mass media where it you know again more opportunities and more examples to compare myself to and now with social media where it's just I mean it's an endless scroll an infinite right? scroll yeah an infinite yeah. scroll it, it never stops which is as mm-hmm. uh, tough. You know, I, tough. I think it's it's tough and it's really overwhelming. Now, here's the tough part is there's evidence to suggest that our brains like this shit. Mm. So <laughs> so this is just a little factoid pulled from this article, this study titled Brain Mechanisms of Social Comparison and Their Influence on the Reward System. So there's this part of your brain called the ventral striatum. Is what I'm gonna call it, or how I'm gonna pronounce it. But so well, you it's brain a part of, people
2: out there, sorry.
1: Yeah, brain. Sorry, sorry to the brain doctors and brain scientists and brain <laughs> neuroscientists. Yeah, we are not those people. <laughs> oh, we should text your dad real quick, Jace. He would know. probably know. Yeah. He knows that. about brain him. stuff.
0: Hey, Dad. Anyway. How do you pronounce the ventral striatum? <laughs> the striatum?
1: ventral striatum. So anyway, it's a part of your brain that reacts to what are known as both primary rewards and secondary rewards. So the example they give for a primary reward is like something that tastes good. Mm. So I guess the kind of that direct sense experience Mm. of this feels good. I like this. And then secondary rewards, the example they give is like a monetary incentive. So it's like the experience of maybe someone putting money in my hand maybe is not inherently pleasant, but I know that that's going to lead to, cool, I got a hundred bucks or I'm going to go spend it on this cool thing or whatever. And that activates the reward center of the brain. And so this portion of the brain does seem to play a role in forming kind of the associations between stimulus and reward. And some recent research indicates that social comparison in particular exerts a strong and reliable effect on the ventral striatum so there is almost a little bit of there's something in our nervous system that's like no 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 this is good you should do that yeah it's good to compare compare
2: yourself
0: Mm -hmm. uh, yeah yeah i wonder if part of it's that that whole thing of intermittent rewards are more addictive than consistent rewards
1: oh yeah yeah
0: And so when you're comparing yourself to others, it's like, well, sometimes I'm going to come out good and sometimes I'm not. And so maybe there's like an addictive quality to that. I'm looking for that one where I feel good about myself. I didn't
1: think about that. I've thought about that a lot with the years past when I used to be much more obsessive with like checking an ex's social media is that intermittent reward thing of like, maybe once out of every 20 times, I'll feel better about myself based on Mm -hmm. what I see Going on in their life, but the rest of the time I'm not. But your brain is still like, ah, oh, any reward is better than no reward, so let's keep let's keep checking. But yeah, I guess that would make sense with the comparison thing. That makes yeah. a lot
2: of sense. Yikes! <laughs> Yikes, <laughs> Yikes <indeed>. brain.
1: Jeez. <laughs> Yikes,
0: brain. Get over it yourself. It's, it's <laughs> almost like you you didn't really evolve with social media in mind. No. Yeah, right? it's almost like oh. you didn't
1: think this through, brain. Yeah, or yeah, evolution. Geez, I don't I mean. know who I'm mad at even. <laughs>
2: I don't think evolution could have predicted what we are going through currently or th- the capabilities of the internet and social media. I guess
1: evolution is right. pretty reactive, huh?
0: Yeah. Mm, yeah, oh, that's yeah. true. Maybe we'll eventually evolve the ventral s- s- storitum that is the part that makes us feel terrible when we do social media and we all just stop.
1: There you well, go. we're working on that based on the way I feel whenever I'm on social media. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, good good
1: (laughs) on the forefront of
0: evolution. Hmm. Hmm. Love that. Love that. We're really pushing evolution forward. That's great. All right. We're going to take a quick break to talk about some ways that you can support this show. If you're enjoying getting this information and we love putting this out there for all of you for free. And one of the ways that we do that is through our Patreon and also through our advertisers. So if you can take a moment to check out our advertisers and if any seem cool to you, go check them out. Try out our promo codes. It does directly help us and we really appreciate that.
1: to get you not just the 50% discount, but also the 100% free shipping. Code M-U-L-T-I.
0: So now we're going to talk about uh, interpersonal comparisons about relationships, right? So not just comparing yourself to others, but comparing your relationship, or, or kind of how you feel about your partner to other people's relationships, or how you perceive other people feel about their partners. And so to start this off, there's a study called Relationship Social Comparison Interpretations and Dating Relationship Quality Behaviors and Mood. That's a big and, uh, my goodness. So just kind of threw a bunch of slightly related words together for that title there. <laughs> uh, but this particular study wanted to look at how people compare themselves specifically compare their relationships to other people's and looking at both these upward comparisons and downward comparisons. So they looked at how, you know, we can look at these upward comparisons, which sometimes can make us feel better, maybe kind of inspired, but that most of the time make us feel worse about ourselves. And then that we use downward comparisons to minimize our negative self images or reduce some sort of threat to our well-being, So that might be an example of I'm not feeling good in my relationship or I'm worried that it's going to end or something like that. And so I'll look at other people who are worse off and go, okay, maybe I'm, maybe I'm all right. Like using it as a way to minimize that. Right. And they aren't, I guess, according to this study, those downward comparisons aren't always bad. It's not always putting someone down. Like maybe it's just trying to calibrate where we are compared to them, but that generally we do that in order to make ourselves feel better. But that both the upward and the downward can have either positive or negative effects for the individual who's doing it. And they were looking at how one of the reasons that you can have those opposite outcomes for either one has to do with how we interpret that social comparison. So it's not just who we're comparing ourselves to, but then what's the value that we're putting on it, right? Are we looking at this in terms of hope for the future? Like if we're doing an upward comparison or are we looking at that upward comparison and saying, Oh, well, I'm, my relationship is not doing well because I'm not as good as that. Right. Or, you know, they also gave the example of, hey, I'm struggling with this thing and I'm feeling bad. And I do an upward comparison to someone who I think has a good relationship. And if I see, oh, they also struggle with this sometimes, that can help, right? That can make me feel better, even if I'm like, they're the goal and Mm. I'm not as good as they are. But it's like, oh, but I have something in common. So there's hope, right? Versus Mm -hmm. looking at them Mm -hmm. and going, oh, I'll never have that. So my relationship must be bad, right? Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, and so, basically, just to kind of summarize some of their findings from this particular study, and I guess it's worth keeping in mind that this is all undergrads, everyone in this study was undergrads, and uh, almost all white, I think 85% white. So, you know, as always, there's there's those caveats. Um, <clears throat> and basically, what they found is that overall, uh, as expected, more often when doing a downward comparison, people felt better about themselves than when they did upward comparisons. Um, they also found that in their study, people tended to have more positive than negative interpretations of the comparisons they made. So maybe people seem to gravitate toward the ones that make them feel better more often than the ones that make them feel bad. Again, at least amongst their participants, um, and that negative interpretations, you know, so whichever direction you were looking, if you interpreted it in more negative way for yourself, were associated with Not only lower rates of satisfaction, but also less commitment to their partner, uh, less uh, positive affect to their partner, and also um, kind of more what they called uh, exit behavior of that kind of I'm distancing myself, I may be looking for other options, I'm kind of less, which is also sort of tied to commitment. But that, that would, those negative interpretations over time would tend to lead toward the relationship ending as well
1: gosh that's
2: something we've talked about a little bit on this show just the idea that i think because we're we have such a huge array of uh different like dating apps and stuff like that out there that we are bombarded with all of this choice and the Mm. potential for new people to be with or something along those lines and i do wonder kind of how that correlates to this study just in terms of how often are you looking at a different person and comparing who you're with to maybe somebody on a dating app or like somebody else that you see out there that might be single or something along those lines Mm -hmm. and what does that do for you and is that you know something that we should be doing i mean is all of this choice like a good thing or not
0: Yeah, there's something that I came across before. Uh, Heidi Reeder, Dr. Heidi Reeder is the one who I think created this first, but basically a formula for commitment, for like a level of commitment.
2: Wow. And she puts it
0: as your treasures minus your troubles. So that's basically good stuff is positive. So, like, these are all the things that are good about my relationship or my job or whatever, right? This is commitment to, to anything minus your troubles. So, your troubles are all the complaints you have, right? All the bad stuff. Okay. And then you add that to your contributions, which is kind of like the whole sunk cost thing. It's like, how much have I already invested in this particular job or relationship or whatever? Yeah. Minus my perception of what other options I have, yeah, which she calls your choices. That,
1: yeah. That's one that's come up in a lot of studies is that. Yeah. 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 Especially if there's a tendency to like negatively compare your partner to the other options. It's like a death knell for (laughs) your relationship. So
0: like in the research, they found things like people who spent more time looking at um, job posting sites were mm. more likely to quit their job because they have more of a perception of there being other options out there. Same with people who look on dating apps while they're in a monogamous relationship are more likely to leave that relationship because it's adding to that perception of having more choices. And it's not, you know, that, that alone doesn't do it, but that's part of this equation. So it's your treasures minus your troubles added to your contributions minus your choices or your perceived choices. Hmm. Wow. it's pretty wow. pretty interesting stuff but it definitely Fascinator. seems to track with with a lot of these other things that we look at like this
1: totally yeah. so how does this all play out with non-monogamy i don't think any non-monogamous person has ever compared themselves oh never to anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> we're yeah. all well-adjusted people <laughs> <laughs> yeah 100 so we don't have any uh, research studies to pull from do they exist yet I'm sure. I'm sure some of the existing research on non-monogamy is probably touched on these things like self-worth and jealousy and metamors and and stuff. Yeah, I don't think we're aware of any study that's just about comparison behaviors or mindsets with non-monogamous folks. So we can't speak from that particular standpoint. But this is something that a lot of people have talked about. We've talked about it on this show before. A lot of other creators in this space do talk about this. Um, So in particular, we're looking at a blog post um, from Polyamoring Yammering by our good friend, friend of the show, Fi, uh, who wrote this post called we're Sabotage by Comparison. And Fee talks about the fact that, you know, as we said early in the episode, we're conditioned from very early on to compare and also to compete in a lot of different aspects of our existence. And so, of course, it makes sense that we would measure our own value in the same way in our relationships as well. In this article, Fee talks about how, and I think I've heard, I've experienced this, I've also seen a lot of people go through this with non-monogamy of, it can be so easy to compare, well, what am I getting from my partner versus what are they giving to my metamor? What is my metamor getting? And I think that when we take this to the extreme, we can see those behaviors around, for instance, okay, I can only feel secure if I know I'm getting more time, than any mm, other partner right. or if I'm getting more sex or if I'm getting the most special date nights or if you're spending the most money on me, like as long as I can um, uh, do the downward comparison with my metamor, then I feel good and I feel secure and I feel like my needs are getting met. And Fee talks about the fact that it was this journey to to refocus on Okay, no, but what are actually just like my needs and the needs of this relationship with my partner, as opposed to comparing it to my metamorphs' needs, what they're getting or what they're not getting? And it's like, that's the thing that I need to focus on. And again, it's, yeah, this is something that I'm often having to coach people through as well. And I don't know what it is. Maybe it is just our human nature that I think comparison and trying to get yourself into a place where I'm quote unquote winning in the comparison feels like such low hanging fruit. Like it feels so tempting of like, that's going to be the thing that's going to make me feel secure regardless of like, this is even a thing that I wanted. I think that's the Mm. thing that I see people in our patron group talk about all the time of like, I don't even want to go to this particular LARPing event, but now that my partner's taking their other partner, now I want that. And
0: right. Yeah.
1: Sometimes that can be valid. Sometimes maybe that can highlight to you, oh, actually, that does sound fun. Or it can just be about I'm sort of doing a weird comparison dance with my own needs versus what my metamorphs' needs or wants might be. Yeah. So I don't know. Me have too, y'all uh, had experiences with that before?
2: Absolutely. Yeah, just, uh, didn't we do an episode a long time ago about like, do I actually want this thing? I talked about yep. like, oh, do yeah, I really like, want this want Xbox? Want. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Like yeah. Everyone's getting Teslas. Gosh, do, wait, but do, is that actually what I want? Even if I could <laughs> afford it, is that what I would spend it on? You know, that that sort of thing. Of you get caught up in that, well, someone else has it, so I should want that too, and be upset that I don't have it.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I really like what Feed says here about refocus your energy on what it is you want to feel in your relationship. If you can only feel secure in a relationship when someone else's ne- needs are being ignored or pushed aside, then what you're working with is a type of hierarchy that very quickly becomes toxic and harmful to others. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's really yeah, good Yeah, It can be,
0: can be hard to have that honesty with yourself of like, oof, that's yeah. what I th- yeah, think what will I make really me doing? feel secure. And also it probably won't going I'm just gonna be be real with you. It also probably yeah, won't know, actually right. make you feel <laughs> right. that much better.
1: No, it's probably a, a deeper problem that needs to be worked on there. And then I'm also looking at this 2018 article from, from Polyland, Poly.land, I believe it's Page Paige, right? Page Turner. I'm sorry, Polyland. Yeah. Yes, Page Turner. Okay. <laughs> um where they talk about how really though, at a fundamental level that when we compare ourselves it's just about assessing similarity and dissimilarity. It's just about our pattern-seeking brains trying to find the pattern. Where does the pattern match and where does it not match? It's kind of like the matching, mismatching thing that we've talked about on the show before. But then the problem comes in when we start using that to rank people and we start assigning value to those differences, right? And yeah, I can speak to my personal experience that some of the times when I know i felt... The happiest, the most fulfilled, the most equilibrium when having multiple partners has been the times when I do have an awareness of the similarities and dissimilarities, but that's okay. It's like I'm not necessarily ranking like, oh, clearly this is the... the far superior relationship and this is the far inferior relationship or this partner is just like way better than this other one. But I'm also not trying to lump them both into the same category and claim like all these two people are just like equal. You know, I know for me, it was kind of being able to hold those differences, but not assign value to them. And also the same for myself and my metamors, you know, Mm. the times that I've been able to reach that place of like, okay, I can see that this person is the same in this way and they're we're not the same in this other way and like that's okay like we're both here and unique and and the things that make us unique are are good we don't want to be exactly the same and we don't want to be jockeying for some kind of particular ranking and then like that's been really really helpful versus you know of course times in the past where I've just compared myself either favorably or not favorably all over the place to a metamore or same thing with partners honestly um yeah that usually, I think something that I've learned about myself is like, if it starts creeping in that direction where it becomes clear, like, oh, I always have a favorable opinion of this one partner and always an unfavorable opinion of another partner, just that I need to examine some stuff, probably both within myself and also within the relationships, right? Of like, is mm-hmm. there something going on that's that's causing that? Paige
2: also had a really interesting article called
1: Unhelpful
2: NRE Comparisons, And it discussed how some people compare the NRE they had with their partner, you know, at the beginning of their relationship to NRE that their partner is having with someone else, kind of in the moment. And there was an interesting quote from that. Uh, Paige is talking about someone else having this experience, and this was their quotation. I worked for years to get the privileges I got with her. And they're basically weeks into this and she's practically wifed up with him. It doesn't seem right to me that he is just given what I had to work to earn. Mm. That's really, really interesting. Mm. And Paige kind of goes on to discuss with this person, like, hey, you're a different person and they're a different person than you were when you started your relationship. And you know, your partner may be more open and vulnerable now. And the ability to move faster and more quickly in a relationship may just simply be because there was work that was done to sort of get them to that point. And that you have to accept that, that like, you're not going to have similar experiences necessarily with your metamors. And that's okay. And it may move at a faster rate, like a, a feelings may move at a faster rate. And that also is okay. But I mean, that's, that's difficult, especially when NRE tends to be such a really charged emotional thing that happens. Uh, and it can be kind of disorienting, I think, at times for partners, especially more established partners.
0: It's interesting in reading this an area where this is is very well documented and has been studied for a long time is in siblings where uh, an older yeah, sibling <laughs> will have to like really work to to earn some privilege or convince their parents to let them do something or maybe the parents say well not until you're if you're 12 then you can do this thing or not until you're 16 or you know kind of whatever it is and then their younger sibling gets it way younger than they did and it's that yeah. same thing of like what like I had to work so hard to like convince them to let us do this or to get to a certain age and they just get it for free at the same time I do how I dealt with this a lot with my younger brother so I can you know yeah, I can my relate to sister this
1: compa- has complained about that a lot over the yeah.
0: years yeah, well, I'm an only child, so whatever. <laughs> yeah, but but <laughs> was I think what's what's Edwards. yeah, yeah. What, what's interesting there is just seeing how this is not something that's unique to metamorph yeah. experiences, yeah. and yet that is sort of a unique application of that that a lot of people wouldn't even think of uh, of that kind of I had to work so hard for this, and you just get it for free. That that sort of feeling, but that that is something we. A lot of us have experienced in our lives already with our siblings. Mm -hmm. All right, so how do we stop this shit? How do we stop? Oh boy, good question.
1: Okay, everything we talked about though makes it sound like it's impossible. Like our our society is like yes, do that. Our parents are like yes, do that. Even our brains are like yes, do that. I love that. Like, is there any hope?
0: Hmm. And that, you know, that's a great question. And I, I kind of, it brings me back to what I mentioned before of there's one is maybe how can we stop ourselves from comparing as much, but then also, is there a way we can be comparing better that is in a little bit more of an objective way rather than assigning value judgments and ranks Mm. and and hierarchy to it? Mm. So, So first to start out, we're going to go through some tips. And uh, this is kind of a summary of some things from a Psych Central blog post called Stop Comparing, Start Enriching Your Relationship. So basically stop comparing is, is what we're talking about here, right? Is this, how do you stop that? And in this, it's not to say don't look at other relationships or don't even think about them, but instead reframe it a little bit. So starting by remembering that... Nobody really knows what goes on between two people besides them. And and yeah, I would I would take that even a step further than this author did and say even those two people in that relationship don't understand the experience of the other one. Right? We we it's can't true. ever really know anyone else's full experience. And so this is a good reminder, especially when it comes to things like social media, where we just don't know the details of it. And so we're only getting some impression and then we're filling in all the gaps. And we might fill those in with bad things or good things or kind of whatever. But just to realize that probably the majority of what you think you're comparing to is stuff that you've made up, stuff that you've (laughs) created to fill in all the gaps of all the stuff you don't know, which is most of the stuff.
2: This is good with metamors as well. Like,
0: Yeah, absolutely. When we're looking yes. at,
2: yeah, our partner's relationship with their partner is, these are good tips as well.
0: Yeah. Another one is to recognize that someone's idea of a perfect relationship might be very different from yours. So maybe you look at these other people and you think their relationship is so much better than mine, and actually to them, maybe it's terrible and worse, right? <laughs> or vice versa, right? Or you look at someone else and go, gosh, I would never want to, fight all the time like them, and they're like, oh, yeah, all this fighting is so hot. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Whatever it is, they might have a different perspective from you. So again, just kind of reminding yourself that you're not seeing objective truth with anybody else. And then in this blog, it talks about stopping comparing your present significant other to past partners or your best friend's relationship or some fantasy partner in your head. And again, we would take this, this step further and say, look, that's also metamors too, mm-hmm. or your, your friend's partner's metamores relationship or, or whatever it is, right? There's so many options, but just kind of saying, Hey, that's not helpful. And instead to focus back on, am I actually not happy with something in this? Maybe that comparison helps me see that, but that comparison isn't the truth. It might just help me get some perspective or at least help give me things to think about. But ultimately the answer is in what am I experiencing? What is my relationship with my partner? Not how does it exactly compare to someone else's? And then to move to start enriching. So that's just actually focusing on your own relationships. Reminding yourself of the things you love about your partner. Or uh, taking responsibility for your own role when things aren't going as well as you'd like, you know, you can't make your partner into a different person, but you can change your own behavior, or you can be more proactive in your communication with your partner to try to actually institute some changes. Or you might have to recognize that hard truth of, I actually am not very happy in this relationship. And I'm thinking by comparing to others, I can try to force it to be that. And maybe it's not, but kind of getting real about what do I actually have here in this relationship? And then the last one they have here is just to have more touch with your partner. And this is an interesting one. I'm like, huh, it's kind of different because all the others have been pretty mental in terms of how you're thinking about things. And this is just have more physical touch, just more hugs, more hand-holding, more... uh kissing I guess you know kind of see if that helps uh, I don't like know I think that's yeah reach out and touch me isn't
2: that Depeche Mode touch reach faith out
1: and kiss, kiss me no it, oh it's yeah. Touch Faith, faith. yeah because you're because <laughs> your it's your own, own personal Jesus, Jesus. And I don't think it's about touching your partner but
0: oh okay <laughs> Never unless mind. your partner is Jesus, <laughs> Jesus. I think it oh, is about that I think okay. it's about dating Jesus then
2: we're on to something Wait, hmm. was Depeche Mode like secretly a Christian band? I'm Good pretty sure that song no. Sacrilegious
0: is all oh, get out.
1: Okay, Marilyn I don't Manson know. covered it. I don't. Yeah, I don't think it's a. <laughs> it's a secretly <laughs> Christian song. They're talking about reach out and touch faith. So okay.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I mean, that would be funny. Uh, though. To, to be fair, Marilyn Manson has a lot of Bible quotes in his liner notes. I um, mean, it's all from <laughs> Revelation true. and stuff like that. But still, Got he's it. not afraid of a, a Bible now and again.
2: There it is. All right. Now how to stop comparing yourself to others. This is from a betterup.com blog, and it has 10 different ways to stop comparing yourself to others. The first is to be aware of your triggers and avoid them if you can. So that can mean like, I don't know, you know, if I end up looking at social media a lot and that is something that's really challenging for me because I keep comparing myself to all of the models on there or the Instagram influencers. Mm.
0: Maybe be aware of that and, and stop or, it. Or maybe it's the like uh, blocking or unfollowing your exes, like Dedeker was yeah. mentioning, that thing of like, I know this is a temptation, so I'm just going to make that less tempting by making there it go. not in my feed.
2: Exactly. The next one is limit your time on social media. I think that that's with both of those things. Don't uh, mm-hmm. check out your ex's stuff. Don't necessarily look at the things that are going to trigger you if it's challenging for you to go on there and you find yourself comparing yourself to others.
0: Yeah, just in general, just less time on social media. Yeah, has has it's just good. It's been shown time and time again on various yeah. studies that people's well-being goes down the more time they spend on social media mm-hmm. in a whole lot of areas of life. So just... Don't. Social media is part of life. It's it's important. We all do it, but just as much as you can, limit it because it's really not good for you.
1: Yeah. I mean, I would take issue with the statement that it's important that we all do it, but we can use we can unpack that on another episode. Oh, I said
0: uh, that was a it's important comma, and we, we all three of us all oh, do it. That's that's true. That's sorry, okay, but that's all good right. clarification. I really need your yes.
1: punctuation in there.
0: <laughs> <Your best. laughs>
2: This is an interesting one. Stop comparing other people's outsides to your own insides. And essentially, I think that's like placing a value judgment on someone because their life looks super beautiful and perfect and awesome. This is a good one for me. And then, Mm -hmm. therefore, that means that I am unworthy of love or whatever. And essentially, yeah, saying that somebody else's outsides mean that my insides are not good.
0: It, right, because you know all the shit that goes on on your insides, but all you see is their shiny photoshopped Answer. outsides. Yes, know.
2: exactly. Another good one is money doesn't buy happiness. And this is so true. I mean, geez, as much as I would like to think that like, if I just had a little bit more money, then maybe I'd be happier. There's people out there who are gajillionaires, and they're super, super unhappy. So it's just a good thing to remind oneself of.
1: We have to acknowledge the financial realities of this world of yes, money can buy a certain amount of happiness. I think like you were talking about, Emily, of like, if money can buy you, I don't have to stress about making rent this month, or yeah. I don't have to stress about an unexpected expense, or like, I can pay for food. Then yes, money definitely buys happiness. But when we're going beyond that, it's it is kind of a weird thing. I recently had an experience in the past few weeks, I don't know why this has happened, but I've had more conversations with some friends and other people about money and about income. And I've been in a place for a while where I've been quite happy with the amount of money that I make in the sense that like I can pay my rent and I can pay my bills and things like that. And then I had a couple conversations with people where we were just talking very frankly about the amount of money that we make. And when it was clear, like all these people made more money than me, all of a sudden I felt bad about the amount of money that i made even Mm. though i'm like but i like my life and i like my relationship to money right now and so that is kind of the funny thing where it almost reminds me of fees article about needing to really change the scope of what i'm actually looking at here instead of just Mm. making it about comparing directly to other people but really changing the scope to like my life and what i actually need and what actually works for me
2: yeah The next one is practice gratitude. This is a great one. As much as, I don't know, it's kind of become like the lunchbox or poster child thing of, you know, what we should be doing in order to make ourselves feel better. I do think that it's a good one. And it has, I think studies have shown that this is actually a way to help ourselves feel better. Just be Mm -hmm. grateful for what you have. And it is a gift to be here, I think, even though this world is... A nutty place. It is a wonderful place to be, and there are a lot of things that we can all be grateful for, and that's something to to really be aware of. Jace, this is one for you. Comparison can be used as motivation. It can. Oh, yeah. That's
0: what I keep saying. There I you guess. go. Yeah,
2: <laughs> it's not always a bad thing. It's good to be able to see people that we we see things within them that we want to strive for, and that you know maybe they have a career that that we would like to have as well, or I are particularly good at something that we want to get better at things along those lines. Like don't use comparison as a way to feel shitty about yourself, but rather as a motivating factor, focus on your strengths. And we're about to do an exercise on that momentarily, but that's super important. Remember all of the things that you are good at celebrate other people. That's again, like getting outside of your own head and outside of yourself celebrate other people's achievements you know tell call somebody up and tell them that you're grateful for them and that you know congratulations on something that they just did that was really awesome you know that that can help you out a lot yeah. also remember uh, i said this before i think i said this last episode and this episode but un- insecurities are universal we all have them you know it, when they talked about 66% or something of people feeling bad about themselves or having issues with self-worth. Truly, this is an issue that so many of us face, and hopefully that can make us feel like we're not so alone in this world. And finally, use your past self as a benchmark for comparison. So perhaps there are things that in your 20s or in your teens you weren't that great at... And see, you know, look at yourself now and see how how much further along you are, how much better you might be at something, even if that is a small thing, or even if that's, I'm better at communicating about this certain thing with my partner or with my mom or whomever, and celebrate that and write it down in a journal.
0: (laughs) Yeah, this comes up a lot in fitness related stuff too, Mm. is don't try to lift more than or run farther than or faster than Whoever else, it's just keep track of yourself and be like, Can I do just a little bit better this time than I did last time? And it's like, oh, maybe I can't, but then maybe next time I'll do better. It's just that that you are the only good benchmark to compare yourself to. Yeah. And you know, but still be kind to yourself in that. If it's been several years since you lifted a weight, don't think like, oh, I'm failing because I'm not lifting as much as I did back then. Totally. But more like do what you can right now and see if maybe next week you can do just a tiny tiny bit better than you did this week and that's how you can can really you know make big accomplishments not suddenly trying to go i want to lift as much as that other person at the gym or oh, oh, run as far as this person who posts about all their runs on social media or whatever it is gosh.
2: yeah <laughs> So the final thing that we wanted to talk about quickly was the Strengths Exploration Worksheet, and this is something that my therapist gave me that you can Google or look up and do yourself, and we do want to include a link in the show notes so that you can maybe check it out on your own. I it's Basically what it is, it, the initial part of the body of this worksheet is for you to kind of circle your strengths from a big list of choices. And they include things like enthusiasm, kindness, cooperation, humor, confidence, stuff like that. It's just a bunch of different strengths that you have. And there are four different uh, open spaces as well that you can add your own if you see something that's not on the list. So basically I circled my choices um, from this big list And then it explores different ways in which those strengths can be utilized in your life. So the first one is your relationships. The second is your profession. And the third is your personal fulfillment. And it asks essentially, you know, list the strengths that you possess that help you in your relationships. And then it goes through that for your profession and your personal fulfillment. And then it says, describe a specific time your strengths were able to help you in a relationship. And I really like that, that it gets like very granular and it makes you think about something very specific that you possess and how that applied and helped you out in your relationships or personal fulfillment or profession in a very specific way. And then it gets you to kind of think outside of the box about how it says describe two new ways you could use your strengths in relationships or in your profession or in your personal fulfillment And that's fun, yeah. Just to think outside of the box and try to figure out ways that that perhaps you hadn't discussed in your own head, or ways that you haven't before used your strengths in a way to help you out in your relationships or in your personal fulfillment or in your profession. So it kind of like gives you a a sort of stepping stone to potentially use
0: those strengths in the future. Something I think is really cool about it is that you start by circling the strengths, like you mentioned, Emily, or or writing some more in. Because then these questions aren't just like, what's a way you could do better in your relationships? It's of things you've already identified as these are my strengths. What are two ways that I could use these in a yeah. new way to make my relationships better or to make my profession better or to make my personal fulfillment better? I think that's so cool because it's kind of setting you up for that. Oh, look, I've got these resources already. Mm -hmm. I've already got stuff I'm good at. How could I be leveraging those more instead of focusing on all the things I think I'm bad at, which is where a lot of us tend to go by default, right?
2: It's all like very positive language, which I really appreciate as well. Because yeah, Yeah. a lot of those things out there do say things like, well, what are some areas of improvement? And this doesn't Mm -hmm. even really go there it just is super focusing on let's celebrate all the things that you're good at and that you do well already. And I found that I circled more things than I didn't, which was cool.
1: Yeah. That's awesome. I love that.
0: Okay,
1: folks, we want to hear from you. So on our Instagram stories this, this week, we're going to be asking the question, who do you compare yourself to? And want to hear whether it's positive or negative or upward or downward Really curious to see what all y'all have to say. The best place to share your thoughts with other listeners is on the episode discussion channel in our Discord server, or you can also post about it in our private Facebook group. You can get access to these groups and join our exclusive community by going to patreon.com slash multiamory. In addition, you can share with us publicly on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Multiamory is created and produced by Jace Lindgren, Emily Matlack, and me, Dedeker Winston. Our episodes are edited by Mauricio Balbanetta. The episode was researched by M. Mays. Our production assistants are Rachel Schenewerk and Carson Collins. Our theme song is Forms I Know I Did by Josh and Anand from the Fractal Cave EP. The full transcript is available on this episode's page on multiamory.com.
0: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
2: A laundry? Ooh, a book club! <sighs>